Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. But I want to share with you just you look throughout the Word of God, you see various examples of what a father is. But I want you to understand, when we talk about a father, throughout the Word of God, as many fathers that are listed in the Bible, and there's some great ones, every father is what I find to be perfectly imperfect. Every individual had good sides and bad sides. And whenever I'm hard on myself as a father, because as a preacher... You're trying to raise a standard. You're trying to live at a certain level. And when you recognize there's areas of failure in your own personal life, in your role as a father, as a husband, as a provider, you put pressure on yourself and begin to wonder, am I really good enough? Am I, am I doing all that I can? But as I look throughout the word, one thing I found out was this, is that dads don't need to be perfect, but you do need to be present. Say it again, Pastor, you don't need to be perfect, Dad. But you have to be present in their lives. They have to know that you're there. And I remember in, in the early days of my children, I was involved with Master's Commission. I was a Master's Commission director. And we traveled all over the western United States. And I remember on one particular occasion, we were on tour. We were doing a three-week tour ministering uh, in, in eight different states. And I remember every night before I went to bed, every morning I would call my family. And this one night I called and my baby, Jazzy, was probably about four years old, and she got on the phone to say goodnight to me, and she got on the phone, and her first words was this, Daddy, don't you love us? I said, so what do you mean, baby? She goes, well, how come you're not coming home? In my mind, I was doing the Lord's work. It was soon after that that I stepped out of Master's Commission because of the traveling that I was doing to be home more. But I want you to know something, Dad. We're not perfect, but we have to be present in their lives. I, I want to talk to you about my hero. My dad in my wedding was my best man. Look how cute I looked back then. <laughs> yeah, I love that white suit, huh? Mm-hmm. My dad was my best man because he, in my wedding, I didn't have a friend stand there for me. I had my dad stand there as my best man. Because he was the best man in my life. He always gave me advice. He always gave me direction. He was, he was the one that was present. He told me the things I didn't want to hear. And one of the great things, the reason he was the best man is because he wasn't trying to be a friend to me. He always was my dad. My dad and me never got the friendship father role mixed up. He always had a belt to remind me, I'm dad, not your buddy. And I think there's a, there's a point where the Word of God says that spare the rod, spoil the child. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I'm not talking about beating a child. There's only one place to hit a child, and that's on the butt, and not out of anger. Yeah. You can't hit when you're upset. That becomes abuse. But there is correction. Now, some of you, my dad, he was old school. My dad grabbed whatever was, was closest Today, we would call it abuse. And when I we talk about it, my dad gets really sensitive. He goes, well, you turned out all right. It looks like I did a good job. 
back in those days, you go to church and you start messing around. There wasn't none of this. I'm going to count to three. In those days, there was no one, two, three. My dad, all he had to do was touch his belt and tap it a couple times. Whenever he did this, I knew I was on the verge. But whenever the belt went from this to... There was no return. That wasn't going to get tucked back in without the belt coming off and me receiving part of that belt. Or if he didn't wear a belt that day, he'd take me to the back of the church here in Center Road in San Jose where they had a pile of leaves and switches. Some of y'all don't know what a switch is. Some of y'all want to learn? I'll... And he would find the one that made the nice sound. Because I think the sound hurt just as much as the hitting. And then they'd spank you. And then after they spank you, they'd tell you, be quiet. Be quiet. You're hitting me. And when I don't cry, you hit me harder, so I'll cry. Then when I don't cry, you tell me, when I do cry, you tell me to be quiet. What is it? You're bipolar. You want me to cry or you don't want me to cry? What's the focus here? But one thing I understand about my dad is uh, I always looked up to him. But I remember the first time I realized that my dad wasn't perfect. It was a struggle. I want to share with you about a man in the word of God that wasn't perfect. He was perfectly imperfect. We're not going to take time to go through this whole thing, but in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us in verse 5 that the, the condition of the world was wicked. How many know that we live in wicked times today? How many know that the, the condition of the earth, when you get 50 people being slaughtered, there's something wrong with the world? Well, there's something wrong with the world when children that are supposed to be protected are being abused. There's something wrong in the world where children are being abducted and sexually molested. There's something wrong when we have sex slaves going on, not just in the world, but in America. There's something wrong when we have families living under a bridge, when we have families that can't even feed themselves. There's something wrong when unborn babies are being murdered across the world. Something wrong with that. Yet as evil as the time we may feel that we're living in today was nothing compared to what Noah went through. So much so that you look at verse 6 of chapter 6 of the book of Genesis, it says, so the Lord was sorry that he made them and put them on earth, and it broke his heart. You imagine God saying, man, it breaks my heart that I even made mankind. I wish I never would have made them because of how they've turned out. I know there's some parents here feeling the same way about your kids. It's okay, it's Father's Day, Dad. You can say amen. God says in verse 7, I will wipe out the human race that I've created from the face of the earth. Sometimes love hurts. Yes, I will destroy every living thing and all the people, the animals. And he, he says, I'm sorry I even made them. See, it isn't easy to raise a family in a time where God is no longer valued. So I commend every father that is in this place right now that is raising your family according to God's standard. Because it's not easy to raise a family under God's standard in this time, in this age. As bad as things may seem today, Noah faced an even more difficult time. And it, through it all, verse 6 of chapter uh, 
verse 8 of chapter 6 of Genesis says that Noah found favor. Someone say favor. favor. Found favor with God. And so I want you to notice four things very quickly about Noah. Number one, Noah followed God when it was unpopular. In order to lead a family, we need men today that are willing to follow God even when it seems to be unpopular. Even when the society says, I don't agree with what you're doing, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not politically correct. We need people today that are willing to rise up and to raise their families God's way. Somebody say amen. We need fathers that are willing to stand for God. We've allowed at times our, 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 our drive for success to get in the way and have society raise our children instead of us raising our children. To get one more hour of overtime in. To buy that ATV. To upgrade on vacation. And we find ourselves working so hard for success and materialism that we end up having society have to raise our children for us. And we're wondering why the morality we've developed is coming around because society's raised our kids. We haven't. It's gotten quiet in here. So I need you to understand, wickedness is not a new thing. God's remedy to wickedness has always been a godly family. God's plan has always been a man. Listen to me. God never chose a nation. He chose a man and created a nation out of that man. And God is still doing the same thing today. He's looking for a man that's willing to serve God no matter what society will do. He's looking for someone to rise up and say, God, I'll give you my heart. I'll trust you when everyone's turned their back on you. And he'll do just like Abraham made a choice to serve God. God chose a man, Abraham, and created a nation called Israel. I want you to know every one of you in here is a potential nation that God wants to start if you would just say yes to him. We need dads to take a stand for God. The problem is, is too many of our kids are following in dad's footsteps. Because it's do as I say, not as I do. Kids are smart. They're going to do what you do, not what you say. What you value, they will value. That's why I honor you for making a choice to be in church today. Secondly, not only did he follow God when it was unpopular, he obeyed God when it made no sense. Oh, come on, somebody. God tells him something here in Genesis chapter 6. Write these down. You can go back to them later. Chapter 6, verse 11 through 14. God says this, I'm going to wipe out the face of the earth. But what I want you to do, Noah, I want you to build me a boat. Because I'm going to send rain and I'm going to build you. I want you to build a boat and I'm going to put the animals in it. You're going to save mankind. You're going to save your family. And this is what he tells him. I want you to build a ship. It's going to be 450 feet wide. It's going to be 70 or 450 feet long, 75 feet wide. Then it's going to be 45 feet high. Can you imagine that longer than a football field? Wider. And God says, I want, you imagine what Noah's response is? You want me to build a what? I want you to build a ship. Well, we, there's no Lowe's, there's no Home Depot around here. Where am I supposed to get all that wood? Besides, I don't even know how to build a ship. Because we don't live next to water here. 
There's no water where no one lives at. See, I need you to understand, this is the problem. Whenever God tells you to do something, and it, you, it doesn't make any sense that God tells you to give when you have a need, that God tells you to pray when you're sick, when God tells you to humble yourself when you're trying to rise up, God's ways are always different than our ways. Somebody got to hear me this morning. See, the problem was there was no water. Water, there had never been the phenomenon called rain before. Water came up out of the ground, and God says, I'm, I'm going to let it rain here. I'm going to make it rain. He was like, no, that, that's, that, well, that's not what he was talking about. So it's going to rain. So it had never rained before. There was no lumber yards around. And it was going to take some time to build this thing. Now, I want you to try to get, get, get this idea with me. You imagine Noah building this thing? Or even a green to cut down his first tree, not really understanding what it was that God was going to do. My question to you this morning is this. Can you build when you don't even understand what God is doing? Can you build a family that will honor God even when you don't understand what God is doing? Can you stay faithful to God even when you don't understand what God is doing? Can you stay committed to the principles of God even when you don't understand? When your wife won't get along, when your husband won't follow along, can you still keep building according to what God said even when no one else will follow along with you? That's what Noah did. See, Genesis 6.22 says this, So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. So if it had been you and I, we would have said, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. You know, 450 feet, that's kind of long, all right? That's going to take a long time here. So you know what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to scale it. I'm going to scale it down a little bit. We're going to go about 45 feet long. We're going to go about seven and a half feet wide. See, we're, 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 and this is the way we operate according to God's word. Instead of doing what God's word says, we take it and we interpret God's word. Well, what God, you know, God, he doesn't really mean for me to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and just take God, God. He was just talking in generalities. We just scale it down. He doesn't want us to really be crazy and serve him every day of our lives. We don't want him to get involved in my business or in my dating life. Oh, God, I don't want God in my dating life. Uh, especially, I'll give God Sunday, but not Friday and Saturday. Come on, somebody. And so Noah did, somebody say everything. Exactly as God commanded. Third thing I want you to notice is that he stayed the course even when it was uncomfortable. Oh, this is a hard one. You don't know how many times I've started a diet and working out and I bailed on it because it got uncomfortable. Don't laugh at me because you have too. (laughs) Because when we don't see results immediately, I want you to notice he obeyed everything. You know, how, how long do you think it took Noah to build the ark? How many years? 236 years? Wow, that's a long time. Anyone else? 12 years? Okay. 20 years. Anyone else? 40. How many, how, how many would, say, would say 20 years is way too long to be building something and not see any results? Some of y'all got marriages like, I'm 20 years into this thing, and she still ain't changed. (laughs) He still hasn't changed. I've been working on this thing, and things just ain't. Follow me. Come on, somebody. You're ready to give up five years. I've been five days, and they haven't changed. (laughs) You're ready to bail. 
But I want you to, it was, we're not talking 20 years. How about 40 years? After 40 years, you do something and you don't see a change. How many of you are quitting? You said, cut my losses, man. I'm out of here. How about 60 years? Oh, yeah, you're like, Pastor, you're, you're, like, you're like 59 years too long. How about 100 years? Like, oh, good Lord, that, I'm dead by then. 100 years, we're already, we're already gone. Do you realize it took him 120 years to build the ark? I didn't say 120 days, 120 years to build without seeing any evidence that God's going to come through. Without having a clue whether God's going to come through. And there's many of you that are believing for your marriage, believing for your kids, believing for your finances, trusting for your body, and you're trusting God in the midst of it. But because God hasn't moved, at the end of the week, you give up and you walk away from God. I'm here to tell you that anything worth building will take time. Don't give up. I'm sure there's times that he felt like quitting. Everyone else is going bowling. They're going to the movies. They're hanging out. And where's, where, where's Noah? He's cutting down trees. He's building an ark. What are you doing, dude? There's no water around here. It's never rained before. What are you talking about God told you? There comes a time in your life where you can't, con- be, be, you can't be concerned about what other people think of you. That if God gave you a word over your marriage, God gave you a word over your family, God gave you a word over your community, God gave you a word over your career, you hold on to that thing regardless to what anyone else says. Oh, come on, somebody. It takes time to build an ark. Listen, Dad, it takes time to build a family. What you're building right now is going to save your family during the storms of life. going to take time but it's too late to build an ark when the rain starts coming you don't know how many men I've talked to or women I've talked to that, that are on the verge of divorce they come and they're, they're trying to build an ark but it's already raining it takes time to put the ark together it takes time to build something that's why you got to commit yourself to building something that will carry you in the times that you go through in the storms of life see some storms God will calm other storms God will calm you in the midst of the storm so I'm here to tell you dad don't give up dad I'm telling you right now don't give up As tough as things might get, don't give up. Yeah, you may have fallen. You might have messed up. Don't give up. As I close this morning, if the worship team would help me, I want you to understand something. Is that he followed God when society refused to. Secondly, he obeyed when it was unpopular. Thirdly, he stayed the course when it was uncomfortable. But lastly, as I close, he was perfectly imperfect. I want to speak to the dads here right now because like my wife said, there's a lot of pressure on us to provide for our families, to raise the standard, to lead, and and to set an example. To be a lover to our wives and a friend, but at the same time, the standard bearer for our family. I found it hard sometimes to find the balance between being a pastor and a father 
tell my daughter every so often, we were talking on text recently, said, you ever need me, you reach out to me, let me know I'm here for you. I promise no sermons. She gave me LOL, that'll be the day. <laughs> so, okay, maybe just a little. She goes, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less from you, little hearts. Not what she meant, though. <laughs> I wish I could be more like the prodigal son's father who, when the son comes back, he hugs him, puts a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, and sandals on his feet. No lectures. I'll give you this ring if you promise. I'm going to give you these shoes if you... I'm going to put this nice robe over your smelly body, but he doesn't do that. He loved them. The father has the ability to love before lectures. And Noah... Something happens in Genesis chapter 9. Listen, he saves not only his whole family, but the future of the human race. The choices you make today, Father, do not just affect you. They affect the generations to come after you. Well, I'm just about me, Pastor. I'm just doing my thing. No, you're not. If you're a dad, you're affecting lives. you got eyes on you. Everything you do will affect the children that are coming after you, the generations. We are all raising someone, whether you have kids or not. But Noah does something. According to, to Genesis chapter 9, verse 20, Noah, after the ark lands, he plants a vineyard, and the Bible says the brother got drunk. Only righteous man to ever... Blameless. Brother got blasted. He didn't get tipsy. Boy, he got buck naked out of my mind, laying in the tent, drunk, passed out. He wasn't just tasting. He was gone. I mean, gone. And he must have been doing something because the sons heard him and went to look in on him. And one of the sons found him naked in his tent, passed out. What do you do when you find out that dad isn't perfect? What do you do when you see this blameless man that God chose has faults? I'm here to tell you, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to get up again. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. We may look at Noah and say, brother got blasted, but you know what? We're all intoxicated with something. We've all been hitting something. Intoxicated with success. Intoxicated with relationships. Intoxicated with acceptance. Intoxicated with materialism. We're all looking for something. We're all trying to get filled with something. But I'm here to tell you, the word of God says, don't be filled with those things. Be filled with the spirit of God. And I'm here to tell you something, dad. I'm here to tell you something, mom. I'm here to tell you something, son and daughter. You don't have to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. God took care of it all. All you have to do is sober up and get back up again. There's sometimes I'd love to get stone-faced drunk. You're like, what? Well, come hang out with me, Pastor. I'll show you. 
there's some issues. I, I'm just, I, I would love just to go get drunk and just, and just forget about it. But how many of you know after you get drunk, the problem's still there? You just got a hangover now and your, your head hurts and trying to deal with it. Problems don't go away. You deal with them. I'm here to tell you right now, we need men that will man up. Let's trip on Mother's Day. We talk about love and how great moms are. <laughs> Father's Day, man up. Come on. Why? Because we're men. It's how we deal things. We're, I'm not going to sit here, oh, you're great. Yeah, I'm great. We're all great. Kumbaya. No, come on, man up. Rise up. Be a man that society would be proud of. Be a man that God says there's a righteous person. Not because you're perfect, but because you get up again. I want to know how many fathers in this place are ready to stand and say, God, you can count on me. All the dads stand to your feet right now. Do you understand, dads, that Noah went on to live 350 years after his drunken episode? And there's no other recording of him ever getting drunk again. Because that one failure did not mark him. That when we look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11, take a look at this. Regardless of what your past may be, take a look what your faith can do. Faith has the ability to wipe out your failures and open up to all people remember is the goodness about you. Look at this. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. It's time to build something, even though it makes no sense where you're building it. And warned about something he couldn't see. You might not be able to see it, but keep building it. You might not see what's coming, keep building and he acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. If you take time to build, your family will be saved because of what you build. He goes on and says this. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteousness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. What did I tell you before? We were created to carry the presence of God. Do you realize this? God took the rib out of Adam to create Eve. But only in Adam did God breathe breath into. There is no recording of God breathing breath into, into Eve. The life that was in Adam gave life to Eve. The life that is in you, the breath of God that is in you, will give life to your whole family. You can breathe life and you can breathe hope in the midst of your troubled situation. Oh, if you're going to clap, let's clap like we mean it this morning. All the dads, would you come forward this morning and have all the dads pass forward.
good looking men. Wow, look at all these men. Come on, give these men a round of applause this morning. Yeah. If we have to double up up front, that's all right. It's all right. Someone one time asked me, why do you guys have so many men at CWC? Because we believe in men being men. It's time that the men begin to lead the way God intended us to lead. I'm proud to be your pastor, to partner with you. I don't have it all together, but we're working together to accomplish greatness by transforming our families first. Instead of changing the world, how about we change us? Let's start with us. Let's start with our families. But one thing I realized, I can't control anyone. I've tried. But I can't control anyone. The most important person I've learned to control is me. The Bible talks about when King David hears that his daughter is raped by his son. And the Bible says that all David did was get angry. He just put his fist through the wall. That was it. Anger isn't parenting. My kids would much rather me spank them than me yell at them. I got that preacher's voice. I'm here to tell you. If we would begin to speak and create an environment that we could watch our families grow. You are the atoms of your home. And the words you speak create the environment by which they grow. You're not perfect. It's okay, Noah. We got some issues. We got some issues. But let's build an ark that will save not only you, but the generations to come. Amen. Amen. Put your hand on the brother to your left or to your right. Just put your hand on the shoulder. Father, would you all stand and just stretch your hands forward to these men that are standing here? I thank you for these men, these men of God, these men that are willing, my God, to stand when a generation of men are kneeling. That they've chosen to stand up, my God, and make themselves known. I pray an anointing upon them. I pray today, God, that you would strengthen them and grant them the ability to build the ark even when it makes no sense. Even when that wife says, I want nothing to do with you. Even when their kids say, I don't want to see you. That, God, that we would continue to build even when it makes no sense. Because I'm building something That's last. And it's going to cause generations to be saved. So I pray blessing upon every one of our fathers here. Right now in Jesus name. I pray strength. The ability not to give up. Let them be life givers. By every breath that proceeds out of their mouth. I pray in the matchless name of Jesus. We all say Amen. amen. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.